Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Will Tucker. Glad you are here to wrap up this message series, Ways Let God Lead. Let me ask you a question as we get started. Well, before that, if you didn't hear the previous two messages, I want to encourage you to go back and hear those messages. Pastor Gary preached the first one, Pastor Mike preached the second one. You know, we've got this um, app that we have, Parkway Fellowship, and I encourage you to download that and go back and listen to those messages. You know, all of our series are like a package deal, so if you missed out on that, would you go back and hear that? It's a lot there that I've been blessed by, and so I don't want you to miss out on that. Now, let me ask this question. How many of you actually have downloaded the Waze app after the start of this series and are now using it? All right, there's quite a few of you. Okay, okay. Now, how many of you use the Waze app um, to get to places you go all the time. All right, yep, I got to raise my hand. I use it almost daily um, when I get in the car. And so I, I got to share a story with you that happened just a couple weeks ago. My wife and I were with our kids, and we were going over to a friend's house, house for dinner. And um, on the way there, we went ahead and punched it in because we were going to head by Los Terra to stop by Torchy's Tacos to pick up some food. I'm sorry if that's making you really hungry right now, but you're going to have to wait. Um, they'll be happy that you come there in just a little bit. So, um, but, so we make it to Torchy's Tacos, no problem, pick up the food, and we start heading over to our friend's house. But you see, our friends live several miles down Fry Road towards Houston, so we thought, well, we'll use Waze again, because you never know, it was a Monday afternoon around 5. We didn't want to you know, get caught in some traffic or anything like that. Maybe we could get around it, even though we knew exactly where we were going. Well, I punched it in. And as I pull out onto 99 um, to head south, I'm thinking I'm going to get off at Fry Road and just head right down to our friend's house. It's pretty simple. Well, Waze wanted me to get off at Westheimer. Now, um, I don't know if you guys are like me and my wife, but whenever we get in the car, this is our chance to catch up from the day because, you know, all the kids are restrained behind us, and so we have a moment to actually talk and see what's going on and see how each other's doing. But this causes a pretty serious problem for us because we are constantly missing turns because we're talking and we're not paying attention to where we're going at all. Now, I mean, I'm not like unsafe or anything, but we, we miss turns a lot. So, you know, I knew that I had already seen it wanted me to get off at Westheimer, so we just dive into conversation and I blow right past the exit and Waze makes that awesome rerouting noise. And I was like, man, I missed it. Well, so we get up to, to Fry, it's no big deal, it's just going to reroute me to turn left on Fry, so I thought. But Waze decides to take me back to Westheimer. I'm like, why would it cause me to take a U-turn? I know my friend's neighborhood is right off this road, just several miles down the road, so I don't understand. So Shauna, all this is happening in my head, by the way. Shauna and I are still talking, having this conversation. She can see that I'm becoming a bit distracted. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, well, you see, Waze... It wanted me to get off back there. I missed it because we were talking, so now we're going to, but it wants me to, to go back, and like, we know where we're going. She's like, you don't know what's up there. You don't know if there's an accident up Fry Road. You got to listen to Waze. You haven't been listening to yourself from the stage. Remember, you've been telling people to trust Waze. I was like, okay, okay. I was like, but we know where we're going. She's like, you don't know. I was like, okay, well, I'll submit to you and to Waze. Uh, and so I submitted, and I went back up Westheimer. And you know what? Smooth sailing the whole way, didn't hit any traffic. I think we hit all the lights were green. It was amazing and awesome. And I kept thinking as we dove back into our conversation, 
Um, she didn't know this till just now. She's sitting in here right now that, like, was like, man, that really worked awesome. And I just didn't want to know that she kind of won in that conversation, you know. Um, but it worked awesome, and we didn't hit any traffic or anything. And so, but, you know, as I start thinking about ways and thinking about how much I depend on this app, it got me thinking about my dependence on God, which we, we've been talking about for, for the last two weeks. And so, um, you know, I wish that I depended on God as often as I depend on ways. I mean, every time I get in my car, I'm pulling the app out. But I think about my own life, and sometimes I don't depend on God as much as I do this silly app. And so, but the, you know what the awesome thing about Waze is, is that it desires to get you around the accidents reported ahead. And just like God desires to help us get around the accidents reported ahead in our life, if we choose to trust him and follow him. And so, Today, we're going to dive back into the Old Testament again, and we're going to stay with Moses. We've been following Moses the last few weeks, and we're going to stick with Moses, and we're going to see um, another opportunity that Moses and his brother Aaron have to follow God's lead. And so we're going to pick up in Numbers chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along there, go ahead and open up to Numbers chapter 20. We're going to dive in in just a moment, um, or you can follow along on your message notes or on the screen. But, you know, last week, Mike shared about the fact that the Israelites got to this place in the Red Sea, and that God parted the Red Sea, saved them from the pursuing Egyptian army. Well, this began a journey that the Israelites were on to go into this promised land that God was going to take them to. But there was a problem with the Israelites. They were stubborn, and they were kind of thick-headed, and they continued to not let God lead. They continued to complain, and they continued to not trust that he had their back, even though they had already seen him do some amazing things for them. Um, and so we're going to pick up in Numbers chapter 20, and this is about 37 years into this wandering in the, in the wilderness, okay? So we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed there at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now Miriam was, was Moses' sister, and she was kind of like the matriarch of the Israelite people. So this is a pretty big deal that Miriam had just passed away. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died with our, when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into the wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranates. There is no water to drink. Now let's pause for a moment and think about the stress and the pressure that Moses and Aaron were under. They've got thousands, possibly millions of people that are expecting them to fix this situation of no water. I mean, their livestock are going to die. They themselves are going to die eventually if they don't get water, and they're looking to Moses to provide this, okay? And so this is a lot of stress and pressure. And so what would you do in that situation? I think if it was me, I might even just, like, run away um, or, or maybe just join in the complaining and just, just join in with what they were doing and saying, God, I don't know what we're going to do here. Um, but let's see what they did. Moses and Aaron, verse 6, went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. So Moses and Aaron's first response in the stressful situation was run to God. What's your first response when you face stresses in your life? Do you run to God? I hope that's, I hope that's your response. Let's continue in verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff 
and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out, out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. So, so far, Moses is following God's lead here. In verse 10, he says, He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm, and he struck the rock twice. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. You see that moment where Moses takes his eyes off of God, turns them inward, and does not follow God's lead in that moment. Well, listen to God's response in verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I will give them. Now, I mean, good night. That seems like pretty harsh punishment there. I mean, you know, they just struck the rock instead of speaking to it, and yet they're not going to after 37 years, get to lead these people into the land. Um, To me, it seems a bit severe. I don't know if you feel that same way, but you see, God knows Moses' heart in this moment. And do you hear that anger kind of building up in Moses? You, You see, when he says, you rebels, and then he says, must we bring water, as if him and Aaron have the power alone to bring water, they're not pointing back to God pointing the Israelites back to him. They're kind of taking the focus on themselves. And so we see that they take their eyes off God and are not letting him lead in that moment. But listen, we all have accidents reported ahead in our lives too, don't we? For Moses and Aaron, it was an angry, thirsty mob ready to kill them if they didn't get some water. But, you know, sometimes in our lives, we struggle with similar things. Moses and Aaron gave in to anger, they gave in to, I think, possibly some resentment after 37 years of wandering around in the desert. And they put the focus off of God and put it on themselves. But we do the same thing, don't we? So the question I want us to ask today is, how do I let God lead in the midst of life's accidents reported ahead? Here's your first fill-in. I have to remove the excuses and let God lead. I have to remove the excuses and let God lead. You see, look, Moses and Aaron had a lot going on. They had the stress of just losing their their sister. They had the stress of being out in the wilderness for 37 years, leading these angry people that continually don't trust in God. And so I think they have a pretty good excuse in that moment to let anger and pride kind of set in and not let God lead. But you know, we can always rationalize in our own lives in those moments where we take the lead and we take it back away from God, right? We always have a good reason why we're leading in that moment, don't we? But what about you? What excuse do you make when you choose not to let God lead? Is it that you never had a good relationship with your mom or dad growing up? Or maybe the fact that you're still holding on to the divorce and you've got resentment and hate and bitterness building up in you that you just aren't releasing and letting go and it's affecting your your parenting and your relationships at work. Or maybe you're just simply being defined by your past. You haven't let it go and move on. Or maybe your excuse is your job. Maybe the fact that in your job, you don't have, um, you know, the, to make things happen in your work, you, you have to kind of 
you know, have a little bit of a lack of integrity at times to close deals. Um, maybe you work in foreign countries where that's just the norm. And so you're like, well, this is just the way things work over here. Or maybe your excuse is that you come from a long line of alcoholics. You just can't help it. Or maybe you have an addictive personality. Or maybe your excuse is you're just simply too busy to let God lead. You, you don't have time to wait around on his guiding you, and so you're always running ahead. Sure, you pray about it. You wait five minutes, and then if you don't get the answer you want, you move on. Sound familiar? Well, I want us to take a moment here and look forward to the New Testament from where we were at a guy named Paul. And I think Paul's going to give us some good advice in how we handle these excuses in our life. So we're going to be over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. But let me give you a little background on Paul. So Paul, this is the same Paul that wrote half of the New Testament. Um, the same Paul that through the Holy Spirit raised people from the dead. He cast out demons. He was healing the sick. And he was proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ to thousands. And here in this verse that we're going to read, Paul is struggling with something. He's got this thorn in his flesh, something he calls a messenger from Satan. And it continually is causing issues in his life, and he just wants God to take it away. And you'd think that God doing things through him, like raising people from the dead and healing the sick and these things that could just totally take this thorn away, but listen to how God responds to him. It says in verse 8, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul realized that his weakness, that this thorn that God said, you know what, I'm not taking it away because this is going to keep you humble, is causing him to lean on God more and more. He's bragging about that. When was the last time you bragged about your weaknesses, about the challenges in your life? Isn't it awesome to think about it from that perspective? So are you going to let your excuse define you or are you going to trust God and let him lead? You can either choose the attitude of Paul and say that I believe that Christ's grace is sufficient for me, or you can continue to be shackled by that excuse. All right, let's move on to the next point here. So how do I let God lead in the midst of life's accidents reported ahead? The second fill-in is I have to remember that through Christ, I am more than a conqueror. I have to remember that through Christ, I am more than a conqueror. Again, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 35, he said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall, hardship, um, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you realize that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ? It doesn't matter what past mistakes you've made, what current excuses that you're hanging on to, no hardship you're passing through, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. 
And what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? You know, I think about conquering someone in a, in a ball game. You know, maybe it was a close game and you win, or, or a battle that, that, that one enemy is fighting against another, um, where there's some casualties, but one side eventually wins. This, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about more than a conqueror. It's like when you're using the Waze app and you're flying down the feeder road while hundreds and hundreds of cars are sitting in traffic because Waze got you off two miles ahead because he knew there was an accident ahead. That's what it feels like to be more than a conqueror. It's like when God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites and they walked across on dry land. And then as the Egyptians entered the water to follow after them, God totally took them out. Not one Israelite was lost. The entire Egyptian army was wiped out. You see, Paul is saying that in in this passage that what Christ did for us on the cross and what he did when he rose from the grave causes us to be more than conquerors through him. You see, your sin and my sin give us an eternal separation from the Lord forever. And the only way back to him was through Christ and what he did for us. And he has power over all these stresses that we have in our life if we choose to trust in him. What about you? You may be sitting here today saying, you know what? I've never fully released this excuse for my life, and I've never fully given my life over to Jesus. Well, you can do that today. You can be done with those excuses and those things in your past, and you can choose to follow Jesus today. You can do that by praying a prayer on the back of your message notes or one like it and ask Jesus to take the lead in your life. You know, maybe you're sitting here today thinking, you know what, I'm already a Christ follower. But there is this thing, as you talk about these excuses, you know, there's something that's in my mind that I continue to think about that I know I need to release. I need to let go of that, and I need to let God lead. Well, I think there's two things that we can do today that's going to help you start on that journey, okay? And so, before I tell you those things, I'm going to actually go ahead and invite our worship team back up here to lead us in a song in a minute. And this song is gonna help us focus on this passage from Romans chapter eight. So as they're coming back on the stage, there's two things I want you to write down. The first thing I want you to write down today is what that excuse actually is. There's something powerful about getting this stuff from our head onto a piece of paper. When you write it down, I believe it's gonna help you remember next time you're tempted to fall prey to that excuse, whatever it is for you, that you're gonna remember this moment and you're gonna remember what you wrote down and you're gonna say, no, I'm not gonna fall prey to that anymore. I'm gonna choose to trust God and let him lead in this moment. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to write down the name of a friend or a family member that's a Christ follower that you can trust, that you can go to with that excuse. You know, for some of you, it may be something that's easy to share with a lot of people. For some of you, it may be something that you only want to share with with one person, but you've never shared it with anyone. I want to encourage you to write the name of that person down, and today, I want you to share that excuse with them. So as we sing this song, I want you to think about those things and listen to the words of of this song.
We will not bow to sin or to shame. We are defiant in your name. You are the fire that cannot be tamed. You are the power in our veins, O oh Lord. Do you believe that? Do you believe that through Christ, you are more than a conqueror? Isn't that freeing? He gives you freedom in that if you believe it. You know, as I listened to that song and I thought about myself and I think about things that I struggle with and the excuse that I think I fall back on most often, the thing that I fall back on the most is simply busyness. You know, this life that we lead we continually are running this rat race of life. I've got four kids, my wife's at home, caring for them all the time, and just the busyness of our schedule, things going on, it seems like we never have enough time in the day. And so oftentimes I notice that I run ahead of God. There's oftentimes where I don't take the time in the morning to sit down and say, God, I need you to lead. Yeah, I read my Bible, and yes, I listen to podcasts as I drive around and those kinds of things, but. I don't take the time as often as I need to to sit and say, God, as I go throughout my day, as I interact with different people, and maybe people that I'm not expecting to interact with, God, would you guide me all the way? And so I don't want to fall prey to that excuse anymore of this busyness. So I'm confessing that to you today, and I want you to help hold me accountable to that. Now, look, we don't have to grovel in our past mistakes. You know, when you think about Moses, it would have been real easy for Moses just to say, you know what, forget it. 37 years, God, I did one little thing and you're not gonna let me lead the people into the land? But that's not the attitude that Moses chose. He continued to trust God. He went back to following after him. And in Numbers chapter 27, if you were to go there and look, you'd see that God leads Moses up on this hill and he lets him overlook the land and see the land that he led the people right up to. And then God says, I want you to commission Joshua to take the people into the land. And so Moses does that. And at the end of that chapter, it says, Moses did as the Lord commanded him. You see, Moses came back in line with God and trusted him and followed after his leading. And just like Moses, we don't have to be controlled by our past or our present excuses. We can be free from that. Did you know that God never intended for you to do this alone? That's why we sit in this room filled with other Christ followers every week and worship together. That's why we have small groups. That's why we are drawn to relationships with each other because God doesn't want you to fight against these things alone. That's part of his leading, is leading you to people in your life that are gonna help you. You know, do you know what the, the Waze app slogan is? It's outsmarting traffic together. If you know anything about how Waze works, you know, as I pass something that's a problem, I can touch the app and tell the people behind me, the people that are coming later, what's up ahead. You know, God intends for us to not give, give, fall prey to these excuses as we do this life together, as we let God lead. I wanna ask that you go ahead and stand with us, and we're gonna sing that chorus again together.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.